You're listening to the State of Love and Trust, a Pearl Jam podcast. Follow the show on social media and remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. Now, here's Jason and Paul. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi, and alongside me, as always, is Paul Gillieri. Paul, I'm going to start with a happy birthday, two verses, happy birth, 30 years old. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's making me feel old, because, you know, know, when you start talking like triple decades for a record... And it's not like the first record you ever heard, you know, like 10 or something like that. It's yeah. Well, I mean, we're only a year away from doing the same thing to Vitalogy. Yeah, that's nuts. Oh my (laughs) goodness. I'm feeling my age feeling. How are you guys out there? You guys feeling your age? You should feel young at heart. Young enough to feed that algorithm by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on your preferred podcast platform of choice. Yeah, you know, we got got some new friends out there, and um, we thank you for being here. This is the most important thing, is to be a part of this conversation, listening to the shows, telling your friends about it, uh, commenting online with with your thoughts, um, and yeah, get on there, subscribe, because it helps the numbers, and then you got to rate it. And you got to review it because then the people know. Mm-hmm. And uh, we think you if you do that, maybe we'll do another uh, another contest soon. Oh, yeah. We need another contest. And we need that algorithm fed, lest it start hunting us for its head like the headless horseman of Washington Irving's Sleepy Hollow. Oh, my God. It is it's Halloween season. season. It is. Are you, right? Are you my, drinking my another Elysian Fields? I am. This is the Great Pumpkin Imperial Pumpkin Ale. Highly recommend this one. Is that, a, um, is that a Trader Joe's choice? No, um, they do have it at Ralph's though. It's it got it? Ralph's? like a variety pack. Yeah. By the way, uh, Ralph's, if you don't know, is a uh, giant grocery store chain here in California. It's a pumpkin ale. With, it's spiced with cinnamon, nutmeg, cloves, and allspice. And they are uh, brewed and bottled by Elysian Brewing Company in Seattle. Can you imagine, like, if you didn't, if you weren't like a cook or a baker of any type and you were in the grocery aisle and the spice aisle, and, uh, grocery aisle, the spice aisle at the grocery store, and you you can't you're like you know cardamom and oregano and allspice. Well, fuck it. This is all the spices. This is all I need. <laughs> exactly. Like you'd be so confused. I'm gonna, the- I'm gonna put this in my salad. But wait a minute, that didn't work. Uh, <laughs> Poorly hey, you named know, spice. Exactly. But hey, a, a, a Seattle a pumpkin brew and yeah. my, my Halloween Pearl Jam mm. T-shirt. You're uh, feeling it. I'm feeling it today. If only your San Francisco Giants. Uh, befitted in their orange and black could also be participating in in, in October. I know, I know. I, but you know uh, what? We're we're drowning our sorrows together because my Atlanta Braves are out. Tough loss. I was rooting for you guys. Yeah, not good. And, what a waste uh, of season. Your, 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 your Cowboys wasted. Uh, stop it. Wasted them. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. We're not talking about that anymore. That's old news. That was that's two weeks ago. Um, oh boy. Enough of our shenanigans here. You guys are like, what the hell are you talking about? Who cares? I know. I agree with you. Who cares? Um. What am I drinking? I am drinking a, speaking of who cares, Anderson <laughs> Valley, Blood Orange Ghost. Uh, it's delicious. What are we talking about this week? Oh, yeah, verses. Verses. We haven't spoken about verses in a while. We have not. And now it's the 30th anniversary, Paul. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a, there's a series of shows that we do 
that are, we kind of came out of the gate in 2020 in the parts of 2021, really mm-hmm. hitting these. And then we started realizing, wait a minute, we got to slow our roll here. We got to like pump the brakes and go a little slower. We were running out of albums, Jason. Yeah, they only got the 11 albums right now. So we've got to, uh-huh. if we're going to retract these things, we got to take our time. So we did uh, No Code, I want to say like a year ago. Mm-hmm. I think it was last December we did No Code. That was like the end of the year special kind of thing. And so now we're back with our next retracking. And it's versus. What if I was like, no, it's kicking time. Despite the f- that, would be <laughs> that would make a lot of producing sense. But here we are with, with, uh, with versus. I got to tell you, Paul, usually... You go first, right? Because generally I have some ridiculous narrative that I have to, it takes me like 45 minutes just to get through. And Mm -hmm. you'll be surprised to know that uh, you won't be surprised at all. I have another narrative. Of course you do. Yeah. Uh, I'm very excited about that. I'm sure there's a narrative to be made out of my uh, retracking, Mm -hmm. but uh, I'm not going to attempt to do that. (laughs) Okay. But But you have your order. I do. Uh, is it going to make waves? Um, you know, it kind of has a, maybe we'll see. Okay. Maybe. Well, those of you keeping score at home, uh, we will make these playlists by the way on Spotify. So if you want to listen to the album, uh, our, our quote unquote way, uh, you will be able to very soon. But uh, for now, we're going to tell you what our retrackings are. And if you don't, if you're new to this, by the way, we just we take the entire album and any available B sides from that session or demos that have found their way online from that session, uh, and we retrack and resequence the album. And you can lose some tracks, you can add tracks. It's whatever the hell you want it to be. So uh, this gets. A little while. And it all started, Paul, with... I think it started with a debate that you and I had uh, over binaural. If that I is correct. Yeah. yeah. That prompted this whole... Because, mm-hmm. I mean, listen, binaural had some great outtakes, great beats. Just, the the amount of quality composition left on the cutting room floor to this day baffles me. Baffles. Baffles the mind. Baffles the mind. All right. Well, let's just get into it, man. This is the this is the 30th anniversary of, of Versus. It came out October 12th, 1993. Where has the time gone? Um, all right, man. Lead us off. Okay. Let's see here. Let me pull up the the new list. Um, one of the things that I was conscious of when I did this. Mm-hmm. I, I really wanted to focus on the sound that that's kind of like that. That was where my like the transitions uh, uh, transitions, but like side a side B, I really ah. looked at this like a record. Like mm. right, if I'm going to flip this thing over, you know, what did I want the first side of the record to sound like? What did I want the second sound just a uh, second side to sound like? And uh, I liked the idea of, one, two, three, four, five against one opening the album. So I, I felt like as much of a great opener as Go is, if I'm going to retract this, I do want to slot Animal in right there. At the oh, beginning. here we go. Here we go I, out I, of I, the I, gate, baby. Exactly. So, we're, we're, I mean, we are just furious coming out of the gate when you mm-hmm. think about it. Um, it's heavy. There's, um, you know, uh, uh, almost like a, a wild passion 
to open up the record and I think that there's an exuberance well there's something unhinged about it and I, I feel like it sets the tone for this record and, and if you're going to call it verses starting it off with one two three four five against one just seems so apropos I already hate my opening <laughs> <laughs> but I mean I was really thrilled with, with the way that this this opens and obviously Go is a, a perfect opener to this record as it stands but um, there's just something about Animal that makes me feel like this is how you want to open this record. And then it begs the question, well, you know, what does that lead us into, right? Mm -hmm. And what I liked here was leading us into Dissident, oh, which may sound a little bizarre, but I feel like you need something that really comes out swinging with the second track, but not in the same way. Meaning I don't want to move into like blood or, um, you know, even go or leash, which actually have a, a little bit more of a drawn out opening. Uh, leash, I thought about putting leash here. Actually, I thought leash, leash would have been a really, really strong second track, and I still reserve the right to change my mind <laughs> based on new and compelling evidence. But uh, I'm going to stick with this opening uh, segment here of, of animal followed by dissident, and I like the idea of um, sticking with that theme of verses. I felt like dissident was a great example of a choice between doing what you believe is right and doing what you believe others are, are, are expecting you to do. Mm. And so I like that idea of um, feeling at odds internally and um, the thought that a dissident, you know, whether it's political dissident or, you know, a, a dissident of um, warring sides in a conflict like civil war, however you want to view it. Uh, I thought co coming on the heels of animal, um, it comes out fast and it comes out quick, just like Animal does, but in a different way. You know, there's something more, um, there's more harmony to it. There's more melody to it, I feel mm -hmm. like, coming out, mm -hmm. you know, with, with that opening salvo. So those two songs actually work very well together. Um, I feel like they balance each other out was the best way for me to, uh, and my dog agrees with me, if you can hear him. I can't, um, but that's lovely. Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> I like how those two kind of come in side by side. And uh, at this point in time, I kind of want to like bring it down a bit, right? Okay. Uh, sorry, my, my, my squeaky chair here. I got that. It's very Halloween y, right? I can't hear it. Oh, you can't hear that no, either? We're all good. Lord. We're all good. Anyway, um, so from there, <clears throat> I want to slide into a song that didn't make it on the album, but oh. was uh, repeatedly recorded during these sessions, uh, both with the band and in an acoustic format. And that song is Hold On. Now, are you going acoustic version or going hard rock version? Great, great question. I For know. this this retracking, I'm going to go with the hard rock version. Okay. But I can see a different approach where I go acoustic and instead of um, dissident, I go leash with my second track. But that that would be if I, I tried this for, for that was my third <laughs> version of this. I'm going with my second one my, or my okay. second version of this. I'm going with my first one. Here. Okay. So anyway, um, that's hold the 40th anniversary retracking. Exactly, right? Yeah. So I like the idea of Hold On here coming in at number three. Um, you know, I was born, black hat in hand. You know, there's something very isolated and siloed about this song. It's got a cool kind of like Western feel to it. <clears throat> and I, I like this, the, uh, the different vibes and grooves happening in the first three songs. There's a, a through line. There's some mm -hmm. continuity in terms of themes and motifs, but con in, in terms of, of, of sonic transitions, I think all three work together, but they do so 
for their, in, in different ways. <laughs> but I feel like they blend in well because you kind of start off really heavy and then things become a little bit more harmonious, full of melody, but also very hard and driving. And then you get kind of more of a mid-tempo song with uh, Hold On. But in it, it, it's like almost down-tempo, I should say, not mid-tempo. It really just kind of comes down a bit. And from there, I like the idea of ramping it back up again with a song like Leash. And Leash is kind of like the, the beginning of the end of this first side because mm-hmm. things get funky from here. So I, I basically go <laughs> Leash, WMA, Rats, and um, Blood is how I end the first side. So it's very heavy and it's very Is there funky. a reason why why those? Yeah, I, I, I like, I thought, I always thought that Leash and Rats were, were very funky and there, there's a nice funk groove to WMA as well. So having those three in a row, Leash, WMA, and Rats, just kind of has this like weird, kind of funky outro to the side of the record after a very heavy, you know, punch you in the mouth with some melody at the beginning, and then we just kind of like pivot and we get a little funky. And all these songs fit a similar theme. They're all like various takes on alienation, feeling isolated, feeling at odds with the world, you know, with animal, with dissident. Hold on. I mean, obviously, we talked about WMA ad nauseum, uh, rats, same thing, and then blood, which is probably the most personal example. So, in a lot of ways, it's like six uh, consecutive vignettes of what it means to be at odds, what mm. it means to be against. Um, in a lot of ways, it's like versus personified. Just it's to, six against one. Yeah, in a lot of ways, sure. <laughs> um, so, I like the way that that kind of comes at you. Then I like the idea of flipping the record over and getting a, a different kind of sound, um, something a little bit more eclectic. I mean, obviously, we're going to get songs that are softer here, mm-hmm. but we open up with a song like Go, which I think is interesting that on the side of the record that will ultimately be softer, it actually begins with what is arguably the, the fastest tempo mm-hmm. track in, in the entire catalog. So we open this side with, with Go, and then we transition into... Um, Elderly woman. Oh wow, that's a stark difference. It is a stark, and that's what I like. Holy about it. I shit! I like that, like boom, bang, right? I just really like that, that right, left. Wow. And uh, <clears throat> that kind of allows you to go anywhere you want. Mm-hmm. But because this is where we are, we we hang here for a minute, and we go into daughter, and then we move into rearview mirror, followed by indifference, and so we get longer tracks here, and we also have a lot of contrast here. So there's a there's a lot of a push and pull in terms of what it's doing sonically, um, and what I liked about it this rearrangement was I could see having debates over which side of the record was better, and some people saying, "Well, how could you know side B has to be the best? I mean, it it has the the, the best fast tempo in rearview mirror and and go and." Uh, two softer highlights, you know, two, two classics. Um, but I also like the idea that the first half in argument could be made that thematically is mm-hmm. most representative of the themes of the album and the, the, the big picture main idea. And uh, it has that it, it's heavier. So if you like the heavier Pearl Jam sound, that's a side that you're going to gravitate towards. And I also like how all six of these songs essentially are individual portrayals of 
of verses, you know, in, in individual portrayals of what it means to be in conflict with someone or something else, whether it's internal or external. And uh, that's that's where I left it. So you so, uh, you didn't take anything away. You just added. I did. On. I took Glorify G out and oh, I replaced did. it. I replaced it with Hold On. That's right. Because to me, Glorify G is more of a um, playful, almost mockery mm. of something. Mm. And it, it seemed to be making more of a, um, more of a, a, a like a, it's a social commentary or a political statement, but it's, it's not, it's not done in a way that I thought, I thought was very serious. It was done very playfully and believe it or not, it's the one song on the record that I, I always felt like stuck out like a sore thumb and just didn't fit. Uh, sonically, I think it does fit because you have that, that funky groove. So I think it works well with songs like rats and leash and, and WMA. Um, and perhaps even uh, 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 blood to a, to a certain degree, but that's a bit more like metalish. But I don't yeah, know. Um, uh, Glorified G is certainly the only sardonic song on that record. Mm-hmm. Everything is very intense. Um, not every song is personal, but everything that is a big issue, Eddie is singing from a point of view of making it personal. Taking right. it personally, I should say. And, and there's there's a personal element to every song here. Yeah. With the exception of that one. Unless yeah. unless you were Dave and took it personally. <laughs> <laughs> so those it, I stuck with the same number of songs here. Yeah. Uh, because I just replaced the Glorified G with Hold On. Uh, and I like the idea of Glorified G being like, you know, some kind of one off or, uh, uh, you know, B side or something mm. like that. You know, something I can fun. totally see that. It fits in the vein of like all night and, uh, you know, some of those other songs that kind of have that, that playful, you know, it's almost John field. It's a, it. it's a not as stark version of down being left off. Like it just sure. didn't musically or, or thematically really make sense in the grand scheme of things. I could see that. Um, interesting. Interesting. It's almost like the two sides to the album are at odds in a way that are almost versus each other in a, in a kind of way as well. Yep. Hmm. Okay, so now you've heard Paul's. Curious if you like it, dislike it, if you if it's making you think, because um, hopefully it does. And um, let that stew around for a few minutes. You can always pause this episode and recreate that and listen to it and come back to me if you want. Um, but here is mine. So um, anybody who's been around the block with us um, for the previous records, y- you know how I love to tell a tale. And for me, this album, while it contains a handful of songs that are quite, um, like I mentioned just a second ago, uh, impersonal or macro in their nature, there is very much a personal story here within the album that I think should be the framework of what uh, I'm going to do here. So uh, we're going to start with Daughter. Ooh, that is a curveball. Mm-hmm. I love the intro music. It's soft, it's sweet, and it gives the listener a false sense of security, which is exactly what Daughter and the rest of the album explores. And we believe in life that we should feel secure and safe to a reasonable degree. And that just simply isn't the case painted across this record. So our main character in in this song is this young girl and daughter who has a learning difference. She's mistreated by her parents, abused. You know, they may not realize that she has this this learning difference, but maybe they think she's just being difficult, but that nevertheless, um, either way, 
they've let the basis of human instincts take over. And because they don't understand her, they're taking the frustration out on her. It's emotional and physical abuse. And at a young age, it sets the table for what she will deem normal and possibly acceptable uh, throughout her life. She's being set up to believe she is not worthy of compassion, love, and respect. So we've got our, our um, what's the word, the protagonist, if you will, mm-hmm. of our story here. Starting off with daughter. So you can already hear the beginning. And then Stone comes in with the guitar. That's our intro. Wow. From there, we fast forward. The little girl has gotten older, perhaps late teens. She's all. She's in a really abusive relationship now with someone because, of course, she is. It's all she knows. But even though she is used to this, even though it feels comfortable in a fucked up sense, she knows she doesn't like it. This is go. Ooh. Pull the covers over him, should have pulled the alarm. There's a conflict here. Can she really leave this person? Abuse has defined her home before, but as she's gotten older, she's also developing a new perspective. There's an internal struggle happening here. But ultimately, she understands that this person is not a fucking god, but a fool. So we've got daughter into go. From there, I had to keep these songs back to back, animal. Had to go back to back, had to keep it that way. I love that one too. The sister song uh, is in so many ways um, to go animal and uh, the full release from that prior destructive relationship. There's a confidence in this newfound freedom. Being on one's own kind of requires that, at least to live successfully it does. So perhaps this is a false sense of confidence, we'll have to see. But at least for now, she is calling the abuser out. That's her first step. Name names, girl. There are no minced words here. Why would you want to hurt me? So frightened of your pain. This is very direct. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it, it's a great first step, but it's also emotionally difficult to turn that page, to admit that. And when you get the courage to admit those things, oftentimes what's been building inside for years can shoot out like a sewage pipe that's finally been relieved of its blockage. So from animal- That's a visual. <laughs> thank you. From Animal, the ultimate venting is blood. Basically, everyone she's been close to has sucked the life out of her. At least that's how she feels. It's th- this, this song is unbridled catharsis for her. It's almost like what makes her who she is is being, is, is being used to define who those other people are. Not just being used, but harvested in a sense. Her soul, her personality, her love. Her need to be is being destroyed, and it's made everyone else feel stronger and validated, which is really fucking disgusting. But like I said before, this load that she's letting out with such venom is necessary for her to continue, for her to find a reset button and find a life just for herself. But will the world allow this young woman a chance to do so? Will the rest of the world welcome her to grow into the woman she hopes to be or will they beat her down? So, from there, from blood, we go into rats. She's a little older now. It'll make sense in a second. Yeah, okay. That's, It'll where make sense. are you going with this? <laughs> Starting to learn a little, little bit more about life. Okay, she's been single for a while now. She keeps herself, but she's always trying to improve herself. Maybe she's in college. 
Um, she's becoming very idealistic and she really starts to see the world, to see humanity for what it is. It's not good. So we got rats here and she thinks back to how she was treated years ago and she sees so many of the people around her behaving like absolute animals, being so unkind to them, being selfish. Like no one's engaging her with this. She's just truly extricated herself from society in a way um, that just, you know, just well, basically in a lot of ways, but just like one can sometimes not see the forest for the trees, she is now able to see the big picture and it's ugly. I mean, hell, rats behave better towards their own kind than we do. She's saddened by what she sees, but she's also glad that she can truly see it. Maybe she's making some personal progress while the world around her is becoming clearer. So from rats, we go into glorified G. I kept it for this reason. Not only are people selfish and greedy, or at least that's the version of humanity that she's seeing or noticing, but she can't help but notice the incredible amount of gun violence. The idealism that she's gained in college and the awareness she's experienced since, they're compounding now. It's getting heavy and she's getting quite angry. She's seen people acting like assholes toward each other, some that's getting released with gun violence, things are starting to stack. So from there we go into WMA. She was really inside her own head for so long that the longer she's kept her eyes truly open, the more society she's noticing is very ugly. She has allowed herself to find like-minded people, people who want to make a difference, activists. You know, one of them is, let's say one of them is black and they dress similarly, act similarly, speak similarly, but are treated differently. And she's aghast by this. The evidence is really compounding now. So you've got WMA, you've got Glorified G, You've got rats. Um, and by the way, I could have done Glorified G and WMA in either order, but I've chosen this way. Call it what you want. From here, we go into dissident. Activism fully engaged. She wants to help those she feel she feels are being misused, misrepresented, unfairly targeted. The world is really weighing heavy on her, though. Since her personal rebirth, she's felt like she's been dragged down into a familiar hell slowly. A hell that took a lot of effort and time to escape before. So there's this internal struggle, a tug of war. She wants to remain mentally healthy. She wants to help those who are in need. She wants to be the change she wants to see in the world, but she's fading. It's all too much. She stops trying. She returns to her hometown. She feels defeated. Her hope is all but gone. So why try? There's simply too many forces working against her. So now, a lot of time has passed, and she's in her late 60s, maybe early 70s. This is elderly woman. Maybe she's been renting the same one-bedroom apartment for 30 years. Never updated the interior or anything like that. Just a place to be. Doesn't need to be anything special. Hell, why should she deserve anything special? She's not worth it, right? She's been working at the same family-owned store for a few years now. Nothing special, but it pays the bills. She's not depressed per se, but she has accepted that her life isn't meant to accomplish anything really. She's a cog. She's made peace with it though. She finds happiness from time to time. She has a couple of friends, but really it's just a very simple life. Sometimes she thinks about what could have been if she was stronger. Was it her fault? Nah, it wasn't, but maybe if I was stronger? Nah, no, I shouldn't think about it. She just finds some contentment in the steady life that she's currently living. 
And that's when someone walks in that she recognizes, but hasn't seen in decades. A guy that had a crush on her, but but he never had the guts to say anything to her. And even still, you know, our subject, she was shackled to this abusive person anyway, so she couldn't leave. She would, He wouldn't let her. And by the time she did realize this, as we know, the good guy was long gone. What could have been? Hearts and thoughts, they fade away. <laughs> it's not obvious if he remembers her. He leaves, but offers a kind smile on the way out. So we go from elderly woman to hold on. And I'm going to go with the, uh, I, I thought about going acoustic for a long time. I'm going to go hard rock as well. So hard rock, hold on. Okay. This brief encounter happened on a down day for our subject. And it, it sent her to cry alone in her car on her break. She's really feeling like she's riding atop the black horse of life. Barely hanging in there. Contemplating just letting go. She keeps thinking about what might have been had she grabbed that guy's hand when she used to know him. But she couldn't. She was a different person, but there's there's so much regret in hindsight, and it's distracting, and it's all-consuming, and she keeps asking herself if she had just held on to him and not the other abusers in her life. Oh, that's exhausting. So we come to indifference. Ultimately, she feels defeated. Maybe she goes through the stages of grief. This is acceptance, in a sense. What difference does any of it make? She tried, and it was too much for her. She settled into a life of mediocrity, and accepted it, even though, even if it wasn't uh, fulfilling at all. <laughs> then she saw him and reminded her of how much life passed by, how she's never truly been happy. So why try? She's bordering on depression. And then, ah, the turn. We go from indifference to leash. A tap on her window. She wipes away her tears to find the man from the market. She rolls down the window and says, he says, hello, sorry to bother you, but didn't you go to my school? She gets out of the car and she spends the rest of her lunch break talking to him. He's kind, he's wise, he's respectful, and he's unattached. And after feeling, quote unquote, something, finally he says that he is no guide, but he's on her side. She feels a spark. She's a little gun shy to trust that this actually could be a good thing, a good, a good real connection, but she's felt rock bottom before. What's taking one more chance? She's glad she did. She feels renewed. She feels hopeful again. And after weeks of seeing this guy, she feels a sense of self-love she's not felt before. So we've got to end with rearview mirror. She's not defined by this man or the relationship, but he and it have allowed her to discover her true definition and purpose. Self-confidence and respect of another has given her uh, a strength not felt before. She's, she's recounting all the horrible shit she's had to deal with. Remembering all of it this time doesn't send her into a dark hole though. It's, a, it's powering her to move faster away from it, to move forward. She's driving away from that hellhole of life, but she's got someone with her in the passenger seat. So it might actually all be behind her now better late than never though right mm -hmm. finally the shades have raised <laughs> so there you go there's the narrative of our, of our protagonist all right all right listen i think if that was this sequence i would want the liner notes to feature that story mm -hmm. rather than lyrics <laughs> and for each song just give me the narrative right that you just described 
and let me piece the music together with that. Mm. That could be a cool, cool experience. I think. I think as I was putting that together, I was thinking, wouldn't it be nice if someone wrote a movie? And this was the soundtrack of this is the soundtrack in this order. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we definitely went down some rabbit holes with this one, didn't we? Oh yeah. You've got, you've got your musical, um, uh, what is it? I don't want to say facets, but like there's dimensions musically to your retracking that will make the album feel weighted in an unfamiliar way, but it makes sense if you, if you pull out and think about it. And then you've got my traditional narrative because that's the thing that I do. Your, your concept um, album. My concept. They're all concept albums to me. Yeah. Um, what do you got? What do you guys think? You know what's fascinating? When we did this retracking for 10, we yeah. handled it with kid gloves. We were just like, oh my God, the blasphemy that we're even attempting this exercise with 10. And <laughs> I mean, and here we decided we're going to do verses, which I think in the canon is really kind of right up there for most people with yeah. 10. Yeah, yeah. And there was like zero hesitation. Now we're just, just, just going to take a, just a bulldozer in. and a, <laughs> just a wrecking ball. <laughs> it's, it's like George Costanza with the, uh, with the, with the <laughs> jackhammer. Um, My how I don't, the times have changed, Jason. I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's um when I first sat down to, to put this thing together, I had the apprehension of like, God damn, how that, how do you change this? How do you change this? And my, and my first fear was the go animal thing. Yeah. And then I thought, okay, well, what's the story here? What's, what's the overriding, like, is there, is there a protagonist I can pluck out of this? And the first thing I always think of, we did song couplets some weeks ago and I put daughter in a rear mirror together because mostly mm-hmm. because of the shades thing, but because you have an, a, a girl that's abused and she comes out of it. It's a two act play um, essentially. So I said, oh, you know what? Let me go back to that. And so then I started with, let me have those as bookends. Is yeah. there a way to make that story work? And did I, did I force maybe uh, like a glorified G and a rats in there? Yeah. I probably could have lost a couple of those songs, but if you're trying to flesh out her, her misery, it can't be all personal. It has to be something like, oh, there's gotta be like a redemption. Like, oh, I've, I've gotten out of it. And then now I've gotten out of it and gotten better. Wait a minute. Everybody around me sucks. The world's gone to hell. Let me ask you a question. You know, roller coaster. I'm surprised crazy Mary didn't find its way into your narrative. Um, Either, either, either as a character or as the protagonist herself in some capacity. Oh, so I'm, I'm renaming the album crazy Mary. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it does. I mean, it is a cover, so you, it's, you absolutely it's, could wedge it in there. Um, probably around my uh, hold on indifference area of the record, but um, yeah, I'm not huge on covers being on albums. I don't know. I know. I know that's not like it's not blasphemy. I know people have done that. Artists have done that many times, having like a cover, um, as opposed to some bands like uh, Rage Against well, Zeppelin Schindler. did it early in their career. You know. So it's, it's not unheard of. It's, it's certainly not a Pearl Jam thing. I mean, you know, we would get last kiss and rain over me, but they were kind of offshoot. It just seems, way. yeah, it, it seems odd to me to have somebody else's song. I mean, listen, it, it's been done a million times before. I, I mean, hell shake your moneymaker. Mm-hmm. But I think if it's a song and I guess Victoria Woman's song would qualify in this definition of 
a a um qualifying cover for it to be on a record uh if it's a song that's kind of obscure and no one really knows the original and you've made right. it your own okay you know that that like that i can see that being um a reasonable reason to have a cover on the record but sometimes some co- some songs are just too big like i don't see them putting baba o'reilly on a record kind of thing you know it's just that song's too big yeah no i don't so, yeah. blame you did you think about it at all or no no i you know I, the only debate that i really had was that that one two of should it be animal and dissident or should it be animal and leash mm. and in my third iteration i had animal then leash and then i had dissident as number three followed by hold on and then i had my my wma rats and, and blood mm. but then i thought it'd be kind of cool if you just had that that funk gauntlet at the end and so i switched leash hashtag so, funk gauntlet yeah <laughs> i do love the animal uh, opening though. that's a great way to open an album i think it is too it's uh starting to think too it might be a, a, a an underrated way to open a show jason uh i mean i'm sure that it has a couple of times mm. I don't have my live footsteps open right no now. No doubt, I'm, yeah. I'm sure we'd have has. to look that one up. But uh, yeah, someone's yelling at us. They, they, so they, some of y'all are just absolute nerds, and you know every set was by heart. Like, yep, that was uh, you know, uh, Kansas City, two thousand three, something like that. <laughs> um, all right, well, yeah. T- let us know what you're retracking of versus. We just get over the the part where it's blasphemy to do so, and just just do it for funsies, and um, mm-hmm. let us know what you would do, and, and which of these did you like? Both, none, Paul's, mine option d that's not a thing um yeah <laughs> we would love to know what, what you guys think the order of these songs should be and if there's any other songs that we did not include um on ours that are from uh the sessions go ahead and let us know i, I don't know that alone would have counted right um alone, alone's, alone's no. from the 10 sessions right yeah and i mean you I think got the cre- creedy stomp maybe i guess i don't know Dude, um, that'd be a fun little uh interlude mid album yeah that could be fun too. I don't know. Um, Pearl Jam have never done an instrumental on an album. Th- they have not done an instrumental. So there's I, I that. Think that. What's what's interesting about these particular sessions, and it is tricky because you you had Better Man actually showed up in, in these recording sessions. Um, so did Crazy Mary for obvious reasons. But man, Better Man would have worked right next to Go. True, you get hard to imagine here, but you also get it in Vitology, mm-hmm. right? Um, you get uh, Whipping. You get Yellow Lead Better again. You get a couple versions of um, Hold On. Um, you get Sonic Reducer, Ramblings, right? That's I mean, pretty co- much what we do. It is a cover, but you, you yeah. don't get Alone. They did not re record Alone during you know, the. Uh, you mentioned Hard to Imagine, and I don't think I, I didn't use it, I don't believe, in my Vitalogy retracking. I know I did. I know you did. And now I'm thinking about mine. I'm like, hmm, could I wedge it in there somewhere? Things were well, different. You were already then. at 12 songs already, though. So that's. Am I 12 or 13? Uh, did you add something new? I thought. We yeah, added, hold on. I didn't lose anything. Oh, there you are. Okay. Yeah. Well, hard to imagine. Things were different then. All is different now. But like yeah. the Black Eye, AKA Echoplex song, I Won't, AKA Ring the Telephone. Uh, yeah, but no one's ever heard these. That's what I'm saying. Uh, I I want to hear these though. I mean, um, oh, of course. You know, uh, that'll be the uh, 40th anniversary box set 
deluxe, deluxe maybe plus. i mean i feel like we got lucky getting hold on you know and yeah uh, so i don't know and and, and the creedy stop so Basically, i feel like they, they had their chance to share this stuff and they once they, chose once, they once they can no longer play music and they're just living off royalties they're like all right here's the rest of the stuff that's what it'll yeah. be maybe we'll see all right well let's move on then to our lyric of the week All right, Lyric of the Week. This week, uh, you mentioned it before. It's a cover. It's Crazy Mary. That what you fear the most could lead you halfway. That what you fear the most could meet you halfway. Take a bottle, drink it down, pass it around. All right, Paul. Very simple um, part of this song. It's towards the end there. Um, that what you fear could meet you halfway. Take a bottle, drink it down, pass it around. What do you got? I've always liked this song. I feel uh, <laughs> bold, bold <laughs> shout there, Paul. But I've always enjoyed bold, this bold take on the song that uh, everybody likes. <laughs> well, I think um, what I, what I like about the original version is the, uh, the, the there, there's like a a, a jangle to it. You know, it kind of has that. Uh, the original Pearl Jam version or the original Victoria? No, version. the original Victoria Williams song. Uh, and so when when Pearl Jam covered it, it was such a unique choice of a song to cover. Mm. And it's not the kind of band that you would envision would be successful at a song like this until you start really going down the rabbit hole of Pearl Jam's music and you see songs like Sweet Lou and, and, and a host of all these other songs that they've done that really show a very playful uh, silly side of the band. Um, now, I do not find this song to be playful and silly, but musically speaking, it's definitely outside the comfort zone of what we had seen from the band in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we get shades of this kind of stuff with like footsteps and and uh, some you know some of the Christmas singles, but for the most part, this is not the kind of composition you would expect from a band like Pearl Jam in 1993. So. They put this together. The, the lyrics of this song have always been very haunting to me. Um, and I think the part that's hardest for me is the the pass it around piece. Because you have this speaker who is passing by the, the, the Parsons place, right? And um, there's this like elderly woman feel to it you know what i mean where mm-hmm, you're, you're mm-hmm. It, it's almost like if she she tried to leave and it it all just went to hell you know what i mean or if she never left and this is the this is the uh the bottom of the bottle yeah that she ended up in and um i find it interesting to to kind of consider these two songs connected to each other um and I'd never really looked at elderly woman and crazy Mary together as a, as a pairing until, uh, until we did this, this retracking exercise. And I was trying to debate whether or not I should put crazy Mary on the record. And, and I, I saw that connection. I was like, Oh, this could be cool. But then I realized that <laughs> I didn't really want to tell a, a story. And if I was going to go down that road, then I was going to have to start to incorporate <laughs> every, every other song. But I think that with a song like this, um, it's the the ending dreamed I was flying high up above the trees over the hills, look down into the house of Mary. 
um, it's almost like this fascination and this curiosity with somebody that's down on luck. You know, I mean, how many times have you been stopped at a light or a stop sign and there's somebody just down on luck there on the corner with a sign? And you just can't help but think to yourself, like, that's, that's, that was somebody's son. That is somebody's son. That is somebody's daughter. Yeah. And as a parent myself now, I think about that. Um, that might have been someone's spouse or that might be someone's spouse, someone's brother, someone's sister, you know? So no one just emerged out of thin air. Um, you know, every one of these people was, was a product of, of, you know, a connection between two people however fleeting it may have been or, or perhaps very joyous and, and full of hope and, and dreams and ambitions. And I don't know, um, this song is, and I think that's the part of it that's most haunting to me is this idea of like flying over the house into looking into the house of Mary. And, and really to me, I've always thought that was like a metaphor of, uh, um, you know, f- flying into her psyche and trying to get a, mm. a feel for like what, what happened? How did you end up here? You know, um, I don't know. So I've always found this this song to be the kind of song that kind of fits in that bucket with songs like Stupid Mop and um, you know, Elderly Woman and, and and these songs that just highlight these very fractured, fragile subjects that uh, really kind of teeter on the edge of of a very long and and seemingly innocuous existence or one that is rife with with madness and turmoil and um you know vulnerability so that's where i land with it yeah and i think that's that kind of leads into my interpretation of this of these words uh well because i i look at this song and i look at um these lyrics here as like a warning Mm -hmm. um that you need to live life to the fullest yeah. Uh, you don't know when you're gonna when you're gonna go. You don't know, like you need to enjoy what you have while you have it because you could get stricken with um, anything, any kind of disease, and that that takes your mind away. You know, you think of it about dementia or Parkinson's, or yeah. you could turn, you could, you could, you know, I don't know how many how many veterans come home, uh, get addicted to painkillers. All of a sudden, it goes downhill. They're on the streets. Their their minds are in another world, um, and it feels like just yesterday you had a regular life. You were you were, but you took it for granted in a sense. So I think this this is like a warning to say that life is you know fleeting, um, and you know in this song the woman is is I guess scared. According to Victoria Williams, is scared of getting into cars, um, and so you know. That which you fear can meet you the halfway line about being killed by a driver driving into your home, like that. That's what she meant by that. So I, when I when I read that and I go, okay, there's a fear there, and the best way to to face that fear is is a you can always ask for help, and if you're of sound mind to do so, and to, um, I guess don't allow your life to be taken away, having been full of regrets. If you have a fear, you've got to try and face it, but you can't get through it because, you know, if you, if you don't, you're going to have all this baggage behind you and you won't know what could have been. And so you just live in this kind of depressed state forever. And I will admit that I've not been the greatest risk taker in my life. I mean, there are, there are plenty of things that I wish I could have done differently. Thankfully, nothing, I think really major enough to like hang over my head, 
Um, mm-hmm. I mean, only time will tell, of course, but um, I think the way that you can kind of get past any regrets that you might have had is once you realize that there is this fragility to life is when you come to a fear, if you can fight your way through it and you get enough, you get through enough of those things and you leave the rest of your life with minimal regrets, it kind of washes away the ones that you had blurs them. Maybe it erases them in some way. And you are living life to the fullest. You, you, if, if something happens to you out of nowhere, you won't have lived in vain. You'll, you'll have right. felt like you lived a real life. So, uh, and then I take the, uh, the, the bottle, drink it down, pass it around thing. It's kind of like a part of like the enjoy yourself, you know, be amongst people who, who, who care about you and you have a good time with and, and, and don't, um, don't be, don't live in solitude. You know, there are, there are, there's people out there that want to be around you, be around them. Right. Enjoy yourself. Um, so I don't know, maybe, maybe that's not what Victoria meant by it, but that's kind of how I take it. Uh, even though it is a sad story of a, of a, of a lady who's kind of, you know, lost her, her sense of reality in a sense, but yeah. And this is definitely one of those covers that has certainly become their song in a lot of ways. I actually didn't even know what, really had happened to victoria um I, you know, she she for those of you who don't know and a lot of, obviously a lot of you do know um but victoria was on tour with neil young in like 1990 and her hands went numb and she had to like carry on the song that she was doing acapella because she couldn't play her guitar anymore and the uh the neil young crew was like um you should go to the doctor and she did and they're like yeah you have ms and so she's been dealing with that and I guess she didn't have health insurance, hence why the Sweet Relief album came into existence. That's why Pearl Jam was a part of it. And uh, she's done records since then, and she's still alive, and she's still, you know, kind of doing her thing when she, where when she can. Um, I think she's 64 now, so just a little bit older than the guys. But just a strange story. Like, all you know about her is the fact that Pearl Jam, or I shouldn't say that you know, but like a lot of people only know her as the the lady who wrote the song that Pearl Jam made famous. It's gonna be a weird existence, huh? Yeah, very um, talented artist in her own right, though. Yes, yes, very much indeed. And uh, there are a lot of live versions of this song that Pearl Jam mm-hmm. have done since 1993 of the last 30 years, with and without Boom Gasper, I should say. But we're gonna take a look now and find out the best one according to us in our live cut of the week. Well, like I said, 30 years of, of this song and, you know, you could stick to 93, but honestly, as a cover, I think we can kind of go anywhere with this thing. Yeah, we sure can. And I have to be honest with you. There's something about the quality of this era, this versus era, this um, conflict opposition that this song is ripe for. And July 23rd, 2006 at the Gorge is a version that I believe captures the spirit of that era and this album beautifully. This song's uh, written by a woman called Victoria Williams. She lived on a curve in the road In an old tar paper shack On the south side of the town On the wrong side of the track 
Sometimes on the way into town They say, Mother, can we stop and give her a ride? Sometimes you get But her hands flew from her Yeah, that's it. 
as a lot of you know, the um, the 2006 Gorge shows in George, Washington, uh, were made a box set. Those two shows were made into a box set mm-hmm. that you could buy. They got a little extra special treatment than you would have gotten from a you know a regular bootleg, um, and for good reason. the The crowd here is fantastic. They're singing along to everything. They're clapping in time, mind you. The band was on fire this entire tour. Uh, how many times have we heard Ed try to do falsetto and it doesn't quite come off? It comes off here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, you got an but, elongated. But really? That, that, I mean, I'm getting to it, but like the, the yeah, elongated yeah. boom solo and then uh-huh. into the. The dueling solo and uh, organ. It's, it's, it's pretty special to hear boom and Mike going back and forth tit for tat. And, uh, they nailed this. I mean, that alone is, is, was worth the price of admission. And w- when you have a version of a song that features basically an outro or, uh, you know, um, an ending movement uh, with no words, and that alone is like the, that made the show. Uh, I don't know how that doesn't make it the best version of that song of all yeah. time. In and most there, there, there are some, I mean, they've, it's not like this is the only time they've ever done a uh, back and forth solo thing between Mike no. and, I mean, a number of times, but sometimes there's a way that they do it that, that they it comes across as if they are perfectly in sync with each other. They're completely in tune. They know where each one's going to go on the keyboard or fretboard, and their back and forth was incredible. But the way that the back and forth, the call and response, if you will, leads into the the dueling like side by side in stereo mm-hmm. yeah, mirror right. images of each other around the seven minute mark. That thing right there, it's like you know what it's like. That is the Pearl Jam version of uh the Freebird solo. Huh? We have those dueling like you know, it's it's that, but with boom and mic instead of I I'm blanking on the damn guitarist Skinner's. (laughs) Oh my god, I'm so mad at myself. Yes, you can be mad at me, guys. I'm sorry. Um, but you know what I'm talking about. So I think that's reason enough to make this. Certainly in the setting, again, the setting. Oh my God, the setting. If you guys were there, and I know many of you were, please recall this, punch this back into your, uh, into your MP3 player, whatever you got and put it back on because it's incredible. And then when you're done with that, listen to Alan Collins and Gary Rossington go back. You just Google that very quickly. You (laughs) son of a bitch making me look bad. All right, guys, that's the episode. Uh, Thank you for stopping by. And um, if you like what you hear, make sure that you uh, follow us on all social media. If you want to be a patron, you can do that. It helps the show, helps keep these lights on, helps us host the show and do the stuff that we do. Um, If you don't want to do that, it's totally cool. But instead, the easiest thing to do, the free thing to do would be to rate, review, and subscribe. Feed that algorithm before it turns into an angry, scary pumpkin looking to feast upon our weathered souls. Happy Halloween. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, with that, (laughs) we will be back with you next week. We've got some really cool episodes coming up um, throughout the end of the year. Uh, We've got some good interviews coming up. We're going to be talking with the gentleman in the band, James and the Cold Gun. Um, They're from South Wales, and they've got a rocking album that's already out, and they've just recorded their second album at Stone Gossard Studio in Seattle. Yeah. How cool is that going to be? Um, also have a gentleman by the name of Jeremy Toback, the original bassist for Brad, 
he's going to stop by the show and talk about those first couple of Brad records and his new solo stuff, as well as uh, he's got some uh, some records with a friend of his named Renee. It's called Renee and Jeremy. They do really cool like lullaby covers of like famous rock songs, and they're bitching. They're really sweet. They're really cool. So lots more coming up beyond those uh, two episodes, two interviews. But uh, we can't wait to share them with you. Hope you're doing well out there. And uh, we'll see you next week. And until we do, you've been listening to The State of Love and Trust. Yeah.